This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, though, we did poke the bear last week, although they started it with, uh, with our guy Donnie in Philly. I'll add another hashtag to the list. Instead of bring it home, it should just be add it to the list. Yeah. <laughs> add it to the list. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Four men on the rush. Keenum throws. He's picked. Patrick Robinson back the other way. Looking for a block. Gets it. Robinson for the touchdown. Xavier Rhodes on the bench, not out there on third down and 10. And Foles able to get away and throw. Passes caught. Jeffrey, touchdown. One of the things we preached coming in uh, was turnovers. And uh, they took care of the football and we didn't. And, you know, that uh, and we were still in it at that point, obviously. But, uh, you know, just couldn't, uh, couldn't execute on the crucial situations that we needed to to, to convert third downs or score in the red zone. I hereby resign as a Viking fan. Number one ranked defense. That's funny. They were completely outplayed physically and mentally tonight. Quarterback, let the Browns overpay for Keenum. They would make a great couple. 32 years of following this vomit diarrhea storm in purple is enough. Goodbye. Uh, that was just a sampling of three hours of Vikings vent line last night. Judd, have you? Judd's in Philadelphia. Uh, may or may not actually get on a plane, depending on weather later today. It doesn't matter. Have you slept yet? Um, I have a little bit. I still can't get my head around what we saw, though. Honest to God, I mean, this Phil, this was the only outcome that I said couldn't happen right because i talked about or we talked about close game we talked about a vikings route the only thing that i could not fathom happening was that the vikings would go in here come here and absolutely get drilled i still don't get it in fact you know what we should just start the show with an accountability session both you and i because i believe i said yes we should i said with nick Foles at quarterback i don't see any way in fact I, i think i put this in a write that down prediction that the Eagles can't score double digits. That they would score nine points or fewer. There's there's no path Let's to a Nick it. Foles offense. Um, I also told you that with Mike Zimmer's life's work on the line, <laughs> preparation <laughs> preparation would not be an issue. That this team, if they lost, it wouldn't be because they weren't prepared. Buzz yourself again, yep. Yeah. So Keep going. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Uh, now, all I, of us. Now, I also said, I also said, if they make mistakes, they can still win the game. That turned out to not be true. But I didn't, yep. I didn't, I didn't include the defense in that mix. I said, if the offense makes mistakes, they can still win the game because the Eagles are going to score like nine points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you had, if you had told me on Friday, hey, listen, I'm going to share a secret with you. Case Keenum's going to struggle, and the offense is not going to play well. I would have said, oh, okay, I mean, that's too bad, but 
But if you had said, and here's the other thing I'm going to tell you, the defense is going to look awful. I would have said, Phil, there is no way on God's green earth that this defense in the biggest game of the year is going to go in against Nick Foles and look that bad. Yeah. I have I have three words for Vikings fans. Because 98 and 2009 were devastating, right? Those were devastating. My three words for this loss are baffling, embarrassing, and infuriating. Yeah. I, Those I, are my I think three words for this. I think you're right. Can I, I want to be candid with you here because, you know, like you, you brought up 98 and 2009, and that there's going to be the obvious comparisons and parallels and rankings, and it's the first things that jump to your head. I'm sick of doing this show, Judd. Not like the Mackie and Judd show, but this show where Good to we, clarify. Thank where you. we debate. No, I love doing this show. I hate <laughs> doing the show where we just debate which heartbreak is worse and how were the heartbreaks different. It, but it's the only show we do in this town for, well, Sports Talk Radio wasn't around in the 70s, but it's the only show we do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, then there's the other show, which is, Oh, now hope is building up, and this looks different. Instead of the best offense in the NFL, 1998, 2009, Brett Favre, this is different. Mm-hmm. It's the best defense in the NFL, so it has to end differently, right? And it doesn't. It's what? it's actually amazing how creative the Vikings are. Whoever writes the Vikings storybook, the amazing creative <laughs> twists they can put on the story and still go to the same ending every single time is incredible screenwriting. Well, and and they teased you last night, right? Because they came down first drive and they scored. And you thought, oh man, there's something here. This is re- this looked really good first drive, and and that looked great. And you got the touchdown pass, and you're up by seven. And then I I will I will say the only thing the and and Collar talked about this, you talked about it, and I did. And that was the the prospect all season long that before this year was done, Keenum was going to have to return the slipper, right? And when you saw him get hit and he threw that pick and and the guy cut through the middle of the field and scored that touchdown, I thought to myself, there goes the slipper. And the thing with Keenum, too, is I contend after that pick yesterday, it all changed. It, did. it was like the mojo. It's, it's like he rebounded, I thought, from every mistake that he made uh, during the course of his starts until last night. And after that pick, something changed. And the Keenum mojo was completely gone. But the but okay and I and I you know I can see where where that play would lead to the offense being deflated. But I, you know, know what? Like it's yeah. for the defense to completely check out after that and look unprepared and Terrence Newman after the game and I don't know if you were in this scrum or not but Terrence Newman said that the the the, the defense just lacked energy and the follow-up question was this was the NFC Championship game and you guys win games because of your defense. How did you lack energy? And he said, it's a good question. That's embarrassing. And I let me go a step further with this, too. I, I, I don't generally like the, uh, like the we deserve this or we deserve that as fans or a team and woe is us. Uh, in general, I think in sports, you get what you deserve. If you're the Patriots and you're smarter than everybody else and you prepare mm-hmm. better than everybody else, you get Super Bowls. You deserve Super Bowls. But in this case... This team has been around for over a half century. The fans deserve not necessarily a better result. I think the results take care of themselves, but they deserve a better performance. They deserve a better effort. The fans who went to Philadelphia and took over the Rocky Steps with Skull Chance, who showed up. The fans who put Stefan Diggs purple and gold all over the Rocky statue. 
the fans who've sold out every game for 20 years going back to the Metrodome, or the fans back in the 60s and 70s who sat outside in sub-freezing temperatures for two decades to support this team. They deserve a payoff at some point, and at the very least, they deserve a better performance than that in the NFC Championship game. It's an embarrassment. That would be nice except for, for this fact. At this point in time, if you sign up to be a Vikings fan or raise one, it's on you. It's on you because you know, for the most part, exactly what you are going to get. And last night, I mean, I'm with you. I keep going back to that defensive performance, and I don't get it. I don't get what happened. Guys after the game could certainly not explain it. I mean, they were baffled. There was nobody that could give you a coherent answer to what had just taken place. Harrison Smith was, for the most part, awful last night. How does that happen? How does Harrison Smith... A guy that we all agree is one of the best defensive players in this league, right? Looked absolutely lost. Trey Waynes, who I spent all year now like a moron praising because I thought he played really well, and he did, and all the steps that he had taken. You watch Trey Waynes get burned last night, what, three or four times? I mean, for that for that defense, and as you said, and write that down, your head coach's life work has been football and basically defense, right? I yes. mean, this is his pride. This is his baby. This is the one thing that we said when he goes to bed at night and lays down, his head hits the pillow, and he says, the one thing I can count on is my defense. That defense got worked. It got embarrassed. Doug Peterson called a fantastic game, but nonetheless, if if you're as good as we thought that defense was, you're supposed to be able to readjust at some point and slow things down. Nick Foles was a combination of Brady, Montana, Unitas, Namath. I mean, this is Nick Foles. He's a very nice QB. I get that, but you got worked by him. 352 yards, three touchdowns, a 141.4 rating. Yes, I and I saw your timeline. I saw some of your retweets last night. The people were calling for Mike Zimmer's head. So, first of all, let's let's start there. I think we both agree there's zero, zero talk from my end about Mike Zimmer being on a hot seat. So, I want to get that out of the way. Oh, yes. Would you agree? Like, let's, 100%. So let's get that out of the way. But, that being said, yep. to piggyback off what you were just saying in our conversations last week, Mike Zimmer should be embarrassed. That was the biggest moment of his entire coaching career. 40 years life work as a defensive coach, a coordinator, a defensive backs coach. 40 years, one Super Bowl appearance. So you, you understand how fleeting these moments are. Mm-hmm. A week to prepare for Nick Foles and your defense got railroaded by him. Railroaded. No pressure on Nick Foles. Terrible tackling. Couldn't figure out the quick-hitting passing scheme. And you know what, Judd? It might be years. I know people think, well, they're going to have the best defense in the NFL. That's not how defense works. One guy goes down. One guy becomes a free agent. One guy gets old. And it's not the same cohesiveness. It might be years until the Vikings have a defense this good again. Maybe they're fifth. Maybe they're seventh. Maybe they're third. But you're not going to lead the league in third down, yardage, and points Probably, again, even with Mike Zimmer being the great defensive mind that he was, that Mike Zimmer defense and his life's work up to this point did not show up, and they completely laid an egg and blew it in Philadelphia. And he deserves every—he and the Vikings deserve every bit of ridicule and every bit of criticism they're going to get today and the rest of the offseason. And the reason why, if you're a Viking fan, you should feel terrible about this defeat is this— if you ever had your year, this was your year. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. The rest of your division was not 
very good. Your conference did not have a dominant team. In fact, th there were times that you were that team. You took an opportunity. You won. You pulled a game out against the Saints that you had no business actually w winning, and you walked away saying, you know what, this might be it. This might be finally the year that karma and good luck and all of those things come together. This was an open path. Defensively, you were healthy for the, the most part. Offensively, your quarterback got hurt in week one. Your backup stepped in in week two, and he won games. This loss, we should all feel very bad about because opportunities like this season presented do not come along. I guarantee you, Phil, next year, the defense is going to have guys hurt. There are more things that are going to go wrong. This opened a door that opens, unless you're the Patriots, opens rarely, and you didn't only not walk through it on Sunday, you embarrassed yourself slipping and sliding on a banana peel. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I don't think we're being too harsh. I don't. I slept on this. I thought about this. We did. We did. We ran calls for three hours last night on Vikings Vent Line with one commercial break, thanks to Red Cow and Red Rabbit. And I mean, there wasn't. We. I don't know how many dozens and dozens of phone calls we took, but it wasn't even outrage anymore. It was just resignation from a fan base that sees the same ending time and time again. And I think my tone would be different, and maybe yours would be too, if they lost a squeaker game. 24-21, and, you know, the, the the Eagles kicked a game-winning field goal from 50 yards or something, and, and you'd be disappointed in the defense, but not embarrassed by the defense. So, as it turns out, you know, it, it's still one of the best regular season defenses in franchise history, but when the chips were on the table, it turned out to be a fraud, Judd. Yeah, yeah, and two, Diggs catch, which, which was a fun play and, and a great week uh, of excitement, now means nothing really, right? So I now, wouldn't say nothing, but it well, means less. It, it means, means less. A, it means a lot less, but but what I'm saying is for all of us who said this might be a change, this might, fi this might finally be the year that things break the Vikings' way, as I said, you had this opportunity. You had a game last night that I saw as being a, a very winnable game. You showed up here, and your, your calling card got dismantled by Nick Foles. It got dismantled. Yep. So Judd's in Philadelphia. We're coming out hot to start the show here, and we will keep the phone lines open throughout the entire four hours. And I know there's probably Eagles fans who are listening in, waiting to yell at us and tell us, I told you so. And we'll take your phone calls too because we can wear the L in Minneapolis, and we can take it from you. If you can't, I guess if you can't, if you can dish it like we did all week and not at least open it up to Philadelphia Eagles oh, yeah. callers to give it back, then, you yep. know, what's the point? So 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Matthew Collar is with Judd out in Philadelphia. Uh, both of these guys covered the game. They uh, they took in the city for a couple of days and the locker room. So let's go, let's go into the locker room here and get thoughts from Judd and Collar on just the vibe, and then how likely is it that the Vikings can pull up their britches and bounce back from this 41-donut replicate? Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, my God, you guys. I am so stoked you are here. You have no idea. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I've had a few drinks, but I can actually get a coherent thought out, I think. Honestly, I don't think you can blame Keenum for that. The blocking schemes were horrific. You can't have Morgan blocking their defensive end one-on-one. -on -one. It just it makes no sense. And then Zimmer got completely and totally outcoached in this game. I mean, Keenum didn't give up 31 points. 
the NFL was doing yeah. a promo for the Super Bowl before it had, and it had the Patriots and the Vikings in the promo. Final score yesterday, Eagles 38, Vikings 7. Screw you, Roger Goodell. Screw you, NFL. Losers. I love they had to apologize. Yeah, you know what? I don't accept your apology. Go to hell. It's uh, Angelo Cataldi <laughs> on WIP. Like Love of course, of course, his name is Angelo Cataldi too. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like WIP has nine hosts named Angelo Cataldi. They just like interchange them out with the same with the same. I told rant. you last week, it's Goodfellas. <laughs> it's constantly it Goodfellas out here. That's what it is. It is it's a mob movie. So Judd and Matthew Collar are uh, are out in Philadelphia still surveying the carnage of the Vikings locker room. You can find all kinds of stuff on fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. A purple podcast. So let's start with Matthew on this. What what's your feeling about picking up the pieces here? Because if if you look, and we can do a full segment on this later. I've done a lot of research on this. It's not as easy as whether you lose in the Super Bowl big or or if you lose in the NFC Championship big. Historically, it's really hard to bounce back from a loss like that, Collar. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. Yes. All right. Okay. Just make sure. Oh, we're fine. Uh, Yeah, we're good. Well, yeah, no, it, it really is difficult to bounce back from something like that because usually with a team like the Vikings have, everything has to go exactly right for you to get here. And if you think about all the things that lined up for them, including the fact that Carson Wentz was hurt, I mean, that, that was a thing that was a really lucky break for you. You just didn't take advantage of it. But the, the uh, Minneapolis miracle, the uh, Aaron Rodgers injury, all these things that went the Vikings way, it's really hard to have all those things go your way again and and maybe the biggest thing that went their way was the fact that the defense was healthy for the entire season I mean maybe they had some nicks and cuts going into this game and maybe Anderson Dejo shouldn't have been out there uh, but if you think about the number of games that they lost from key players it's almost nothing I mean Everson Griffin misses one game in Washington and that's the only thing I could think of most teams have a guy out for the season a key guy uh, miss half the year or something like that that's going to be hard to happen again next year and, and that's you know one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get back is usually health is involved and the other thing too is we're seeing Pat Shermer He's going to go to the New York Giants. I mean, you lose a really good assistant coach. The Atlanta Falcons went from the most dynamic offense in the NFL to falling completely off the table and, and just being an average team because they lost their genius offensive coordinator. And that happens, too, is that other teams take the good people that you have. And, and now there's you know, the report that Ben McAdoo is, is on the list as a possible replacement. Like, you know, this oh. the, 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 that might not be good. You know? The gym coach is coming. The gym coach is coming. Mr. McAdoo. Dude. Wow. <laughs> the thing here too is is unless you're the Patriots, Phil and Matthew, you know, you I don't think that you can just say the window is now open for four years, right? I mean, you just have years. To me, the past two years for the Vikings, in a nutshell, are this league, which is 2016. You're five and zero, and things look fantastic, and it falls apart because that can happen. Guys can get hurt. Things can go wrong, and they did. Now, this year, conversely, you, you uh, certainly lost two important players in Bradford and Cook, but you replaced them, and everything from then on pretty much until last night went right. So this notion that that this is, I don't know, like baseball, and you're just going to be good for possibly five years is misguided. That this la- this can last, this can be very much a year-to-year proposition. Yeah, I would, I would add to that. 
if you do have a franchise top seven quarterback in the league, you guarantee yourself contention on a regular basis. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have Drew Brees and the worst defense in the NFL, you're still seven and nine and, and competing for a wild card spot. Look at them the last three years. So if you can get that and the Vikings haven't had it in, and you could argue Dante Culpepper for five minutes, but you know, you, you got to go back decades to go find the last franchise quarterback. So if you're trying to build the best defense and take that path, it's really hard to keep that together for more than a year or two. Even the the 2000 Ravens had one of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. They were only the number one defense one year, and then they went, and then they dropped to like fourth, so they weren't a disaster. Uh, But there's a a difference between a historically great defense and Trent Dilfer being your quarterback. That wins you a Super Bowl, and being like the fourth best defense, and then getting beat in the playoffs the next year. So you're going to have, I don't think you can come back to the table with a similar blueprint and a new offensive coordinator. I think you're going to have to put a jolt into this roster, into this organization to avoid the the letdown season after you get beat that bad in the NFC championship game. I, I think it's entirely the quarterback situation that will determine whether this team can bounce back or not, because I, I would not expect that they're going to have the same sort of luck that they had this year, but you can make up the difference with better quarterback play. And, and I know that, Case Keenum had a very good year, but everything had to align for him and everything had to be in place, including the great defense. I mean, the thing, you know, I listen to that caller who says, hey, it wasn't Keenum who gave up all those points. Well, well, that's true, but you also knew that as soon as they got down, your quarterback had no chance against a good defense to come back. And, I mean, if you watch the AFC game and then you watch the NFC game, you went, There's the difference, and that's what we've talked about all year about getting to the Super Bowl is they have Tom Brady, and they get down 10 points in the fourth quarter, and he brings them back and goes to the Super Bowl. Well, the Vikings get down, and their quarterback has no chance. And this year, Keenum played from ahead the entire season long and never really had to have comebacks. They were never down in the second half. And, you know, I mean, that that, so if they they end up next year with better – quarterback a more talented player maybe they can come up with you know some of the difference that they're going to make up for losing in luck or at least that I'm guessing they will but otherwise if he's the quarterback again you would guess that this team is going to regress by at least a couple of wins boys the stats are starting to come in here from PFF Um, according to PFF Nick Foles had a perfect 158.3 rating when targeted by Trey when targeting Trey Waynes last night. My God, he was he was get this one. This this is the one that stops me and I can't explain it. He was four for four for 55 yards when targeting Harrison Smith. Wow. Wait, so on the Trey Waynes thing and the Harrison Smith, that's the way he played last night was mind boggling. But on the Trey Waynes thing, what you're saying is you could have put the Rocky statue out there in a Trey Waynes jersey, and it would have provided the same defense as Trey Waynes did. And I can't explain that one. I mean, this is – if he had had sort of an off night, I'd be like, okay, I sort of I, – I get that. But we're talking about – Trey Waynes looked like the player three years back who we said potential first-round bust. And after as much as we praised him and and as well as he seemed to play throughout the course of this year to regress that much in this game, it's it's the defensive performance I just can't get past. God. I mean, the, key, the Keenum thing – 
as tough as it was to watch for him, it doesn't really shock you. I mean, we've been talking about the potential that that was going to happen for months now, and people finally said, are you on the bandwagon now? And we all said, okay, it's a great story. I get that. But for this defense to come apart, to come unglued, as you said, Phil, for Mike Zimmer's pride and joy, for his life's work to play that poorly in that big of game, I I would have you could have given me any scenario and if that had been one I would have said there is no way that happens. Yeah. I think just to just to take what Collar said a couple minutes ago too cuz cuz fans fell in love with Case Keenum this year. But if we take a step back and and you're surveying the entire organization and you're trying to project what's going to happen in 2018 and beyond, you have to prepare for a step back defensively. And Collar uses the word luck, and I think people might hear that and say, well, what do you mean they got lucky? The injuries. You're going you're gonna to lose a player to an ACL or something. You're going you're gonna to take a step back. You're going to be the fifth defense. You have to prepare to be the fifth defense or the ninth defense instead of the first. If you're playing from behind, I believe I saw a note on the broadcast, Collar, the Vikings played from ahead like 75% of their snaps or something this year. Mm-hmm. If it's more 50-50 next year, and you do have to come back from down 10, like the Patriots do, like other teams do, is this the guy that you're going to pay, by the way, 20 million to that you would trust to make up that gap? And the answer for me is no, but if you're told no by Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins, and now there's just not that many options, I don't know what you're supposed to do. Well, if you take $20 million, say, and you've got all the draft assets that you have and you can move some of those, including a first-round pick, if you have to because of where this team is in terms of the roster. I mean, it's so well built up that you don't necessarily need that to compete. So if you were be forced to trade a first-round pick for a better quarterback, then you might consider doing it with the same logic that they traded Sam Bradford, or if you believe that Teddy Bridgewater can come back. I mean, I I think you're going to have to do better to make up that difference. Um, But, I mean, if you just think of it as the equation of someone gave you $20 million, how are you going to spend it? And here's a list of potential things. Um, Case Keenum is probably now at the the bottom of that list, especially I saw Andy Carlson, our, our friend, tweet out, uh, a stat if you take away the Minis- uh, Minneapolis miracle p- throw for a touchdown. I mean, and just say, okay, well, that was just one of the craziest things to ever happen. Pull that away. That Case Keenum's quarterback rating in these two games is 66. Yikes. Uh, and, and that's a, it's what we expected. I mean, you're going into the playoffs. It's a different story. Over the final three games, he had 109 quarterback rating. Those were against the Bengals, the Bears, and the Packers who were done and have never had a good defense anyway. I mean, he was bolstering the numbers a lot against teams that weren't very good and playing from ahead a lot. And it's not to say that he's not an NFL starting level quarterback because I think he proved this year that he is an NFL starting level quarterback. It's just Blake Bortles loses to Tom Brady and you end up losing to the better overall Eagles team and you can't come back when you get down and your quarterback is at the very center of why you ended up down. Even if they played poor on defense, if they don't get strip sacked, if they don't throw a pick six, they're in a much better position to win that game even if the defense was struggling. And in New Orleans, you throw an interception that starts the comeback 
for the Saints. I mean, these are the things that were the concerns the entire time around that Case Keenum at 29 years old was not suddenly going to become this great, great quarterback. And now that you have free agency, I think that's what it comes down to. So I'm kind of already moving on to the future. I know what happened yesterday was a complete defensive meltdown, but I'm thinking if you want to win this very game next year, I don't think this guy can be your quarterback. Uh, Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com coming up shortly. Collar and Judd still in Philadelphia. 651-646-8255. 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd. And we'll open up for Vikings calls. Or if you're an Eagles fan, the line is yours, Scott. Hey, what's going on, Mackie and Judd? How are you? Fire Scott? away, Scott. This is, your, this is your uh, chance to gloat, man. No. No, first of all, let me apologize for the – for the few a-hole fans throwing beers at at, uh, at Vikings fans, there that's just, it's not what it's about. But I called last week, get a little redemption on myself. I said ninety-one was almost twenty years. I paused about why I have all the confidence in the world, and this is why I have all the confidence in the world. We dominated up front, and it was a hell of a game. Fur Bird fan, let's go Birds onto the ball. We're taking over your city, and you guys can kiss my ass. <laughs> you know what? I have only you one know question. What? We'll, we'll keep taking those. 651-646-8255. We will wear the L proudly. Go ahead, one, qu- one question. Can we decline it? Can we just move the Super Bowl to the Fargo Dome? <laughs> Can, would somebody else take it? I mean, this is going to be Patriots fans who love to gloat and can gloat. Eagles fans who don't have championships, but they just kick the Vikings' butt. Can we move? Can we? Can we have the Super Bowl in 2020 and move this one somewhere else? I mean, can San Diego, Miami, Los Angeles, somebody else just take this one? It's not a bad idea. It's not. I mean, like, I love how the entire week when Eagles fans were calling us, they were tweeting at us, and they were ripping us for stereotyping them as these violent meatheads who exhibit this false bravado. And yet all I saw pregame were photos of bloody Eagles fans fighting (laughs) and, and, and drunk idiots throwing full cans of beer at anyone wearing Vikings gear. So anyways, let's take a break. Collar and Judd in Philadelphia. Uh, Mackie here in studio in the Twin Cities. Kevin Seifert will join from ESPN.com to uh, help shovel some more dirt on this Viking season. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. They're running a strange program, y'all. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. They got this thing called social media. They, <laughs> let, let's go to the R Museum and let's desecrate the Rocky statue at 8 a.m. and let the Philly yeah. fans see it. Like, we're going to be like, okay, yeah, this, this is not a big deal. <laughs> I, they had every... Everything we did to them, they deserve. Man, that's uh, <laughs> more from WIP. Uh, Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar are in Philadelphia still. Mackie here in studio. Kevin Seifer from ESPN.com. Uh, I don't know. I Obviously, was we were... Was that real? Was that, that clip real? Yes, that was a caller from WIP. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, so what? Uh, do you think the Vikings fans tempted fate more by putting a Stefan Diggs jersey on the Rocky statue or by doing the skull chant at the top of the Rocky steps before the game? It's a, it's a free country. You can do what you want, but I guess there's consequences too. So uh, I'm sure that the Vikings fans who did that knew that there was a possibility that the Eagles fans wouldn't like it, and if they won, they would uh, seek retribution at all costs. Or even if they didn't win, they would seek retribution. So... All is fair in love and football, I suppose. What was your surprise, sir, at the outcome? I, I mean, the fact that the Vikings lost doesn't shock you, 
but I still I still can't get my head around the fact that they that defense got absolutely annihilated, embarrassed, and blown off the field. Yes, there, that was never part of something that I concede would be uh, contributing to a Vikings loss. Uh, you know, we had all talked about what would happen if Case Keenum crashed and burned, or if there's a bunch of mistakes, or if the offensive line just couldn't hold up. But I did not see uh, the Vikings defense getting chewed up that way. And even when they when the Eagles started in on it, I fully anticipated that Mike Zimmer uh, would have some kind of uh, response or adjustment or something that would uh, relative to play calling that would at least kind of stall the momentum or, or give the, the Vikings a chance, but nothing that he tried worked. And that uh, is not only a, 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 a feather in the cap for the Eagles and the way that they game plan, but really Doug Peterson, if you, as the offensive play caller for the Eagles, if you can outsmart and out adjust and be three steps ahead of Mike Zimmer in the course of an NFC championship game, then that's a heck of an accomplishment. Kevin, do you have a sense for what happened? Because, I mean, I was looking down last night, and I was there, and I was asking every player what happened and all those things, and nobody on the defense had an answer for me. I mean, it was, you know, I don't know. I don't know. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they were asked by, you know, the TV reporter kind of a classic question of, yeah. was it a letdown from last week? And they all said, no, it wasn't that. Well, did, was it the RPOs? No, it wasn't that. It was like, well, what did happen here? Well, in terms of the letdown, like normally I hate that question um, and I hate that topic because I think it's true. If you can't get up to the NFC Championship game, you, you can't. But there's also, then you might as well not be in, in, the, in the business. But there's now a history of teams who have experienced the emotional high that the Vikings did via walk-off, playoff, touchdown, um, going the next week and just getting crushed. I think the, it's now been five or six times, the last five or six times that it's happened, the team has then gone on the following week to lose by an average of 24 points. So in retrospect, if, if the Vikings were flat, it wouldn't have been that much out of the norm. Or if they had somehow didn't have quite the edge that they had the week before, then, then that's, there's some precedent there. So I won't totally rule that out. But I also think that, that you know, just from more of a schematic standpoint, it sure looked like the Eagles were giving Nick Foles enough time and that not many – uh, you know the, the Viking. The Vikings defense had not been built on having to play the run in the past fifty-fifty, and then also covering people for five, six seconds, and that's what was happening a lot of the time. Um, you know, as as they, even Troy Aikman pointed out yesterday, I think it was Troy Aikman that the, for the most part the Vikings had the lead in the second half of the season, and they could they could play defense accordingly, but. Uh, you know, if you're if you're giving whether it's Nick Foles or anybody else uh, enough time, and and you have some talented receivers on the other side, they're eventually going to get open. Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com, uh, Judd and Matthew Collar on the show here from Philadelphia. So I think we we all agree that the Vikings defense was the thing that melted down the most yesterday. Case Keenum didn't play particularly well either. The offensive line was bad, but. So we're not blaming Case Keenum directly for yesterday's loss, but when you look no. at, and the Vikings have a big decision to make, and a lot of money is going to be on the table, how do you evaluate Case Keenum's performance and then project forward? What would you do? You know, what do you think the Vikings are going to wind up doing with with Keenum, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, he had a great season, one of the best in franchise history, one of the best uh, of this season. Uh, but what yesterday showed, I guess, is that he's not yet or won't, maybe won't be a quarterback who can single-handedly, a la Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning, 
list an otherwise less qualified team uh, to a win in, deep in the playoffs and potentially the Super Bowl. And if that's their goal, to get a quarterback who can, on his own, uh, you know, I guess we add Drew Brees to that as well, um, take a team to the Super Bowl, then maybe Case Keenum's not their answer. But if their goal is anything uh, less than that, you know, building a strong team and having a quarterback who can play very well in that, in that situation and, and get them as far as he did, then he seems to me to be by far the likeliest target uh, of these three guys to um, – to be the quarterback next year. You don't have to commit $80 million to keep him. Uh, that's what the franchise tag is for. And I know people will go bonkers saying, you know, why should the Vikings even pay Case Keenum 22 or $23 million? Well, you know, the alternatives, uh, you always have to consider it in context and alternatives. Don't forget Mike Glennon got $18 million from the Bears last year. So you're saying, nope, <laughs> nope, we don't want Case Keenum. You know, be prepared to pay a lot for somebody else if you want to keep, if you want to give yourself a reasonable chance to, to maintain the level of play that they had this year. If you want to start over and, and figure out a way to draft somebody or you want to put your eggs in a in Teddy Bridgewater's basket and say that we, we're confident that he can uh, resume his career two years later, even though we didn't trust him as the backup in the playoffs, then, then you can do that as well. Um, if you want to put your faith in Sam Bradford's knees suddenly not being an issue after really costing him most of the season, then that's the risk too. So there's no perfect answers of the three. Uh, it seems like Case Keenum would be the safest and 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 best target uh, to be the starter next year. If you want to, you know, and then you and then you, otherwise you're putting yourself in the market with some other teams in a bidding situation that you're going to end up paying a lot more than you probably would if you if you franchise Case Keenum. How cruel is this now, too? You you're within one game of hosting the Super Bowl, Kevin, within one game. And instead of that now, the football gods are going to send you the Boston and Philly sports fans. (laughs) It's as as cruel as can possibly be because you get teased, and now you not only don't get there, but you get two two groups of sports fans that are going to take over your town and sing Fly Eagles Fly for a week straight. Well, then I hope they spend all their money. I hope they empty out their 401Ks. I hope they, uh, they, they, they contribute to the economy here as never before and that our schools will have that much more money and our uh, city government will have that much more money for plowing on days like today. Let's take them for all they're worth. If they're coming, let's take them for as much money as we can. How about that? It sounds, it sounds good, but it's still going to be a week of hell, Kevin. It'll <laughs> well, be a- I, uh, I've I've covered a Patriots game. I've survived. I've covered you've covered Eagles games now too. We've survived. The uh, the fans here the fans will uh, will be as they are. But um, you know my experience is that most of the uh, most of the people who come into town for a Super Bowl, at least for the game itself, are of the corporate uh, uh, level and not necessarily going to be trying to climb light posts in the streets. So uh, with Chris Minneapolis, the Minneapolis Police Department can probably save their Crisco supplies for another time. <laughs> Kevin, uh, I want to circle back to um, as much as I want to talk about Crisco uh, yeah. on the light poles because they made it, and congratulations to them for those guys climbing those poles despite the Crisco. It's quite I, the I saw that. It really yeah, is. Good work. What and if, if you just like had two guys underneath them pushing them up, like, <laughs> they forgot about that part. Yeah, they they were. Uh, I saw a dune buggy that was climbing the steps uh, of the the rocky steps there. But uh, getting back to the future quarterback situation. Yeah. I, do we have any idea where they think Teddy Bridgewater stands or if it means anything that 
Teddy Bridgewater was not active for these last two games? You know, I mean, they thought well enough of him to make him the backup for most of the, the regular season. Obviously, Sam Bradford was not healthy, so that was their best option. But if they had some kind of concern about his about his knee or some kind of concern about uh, that he had suddenly fallen off the cliff from a skills perspective, you know, I, I would have a hard time thinking that they would have just uh, – that they would have gone with him while they're in this playoff run um, and not sought any other help. But uh, – to me, I, like we all, and the NFL teams never announce what they're going to do. They never announce what the what their plans are for people ahead of time. We're always left to read the tea leaves. And you know, to me, you know, maybe Sam Bradford was a very unique situation where he came back healthy, unexpected, and was just dealing in practice. And they felt extremely confident in the short term situation putting him in the game. But you know, in terms of your organization, in terms of your fan base, you know, it's not that's not an easy sell to say we didn't trust Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, to back up the starter in the playoffs, but uh, somehow magic is going to occur during the off season, and we'll we'll trust him to be our starter uh, for the following year and be the caretaker of his team that seems built for you know a few years of of, of high quality play. So that's the only tea leave we have to read is was their decision on the uh, on the. And not only did they demote him, they didn't even have him active. Um, you know, so they they didn't want to put him on the field, or they didn't. They felt like it was more important to have depth at another position than to have Teddy Bridgewater potentially available in the playoffs. And if your goal is to make the playoffs um, every year, then that should tell you something. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll he'll be a second or third choice, and they'll eventually have to be in that position if they can't get done what they want to get done. But that's the only tea leaf we have to read right now. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, thanks for all your great insights during this Viking season. Sure it's been, uh, it's as always, it's been an entertaining season with a horrific ending for the Vikings, and, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure they'll do it again sometime soon. So we'll catch up probably before the Super Bowl. Thank thanks, you. Kevin. All right, Kevin good. Seifert from ESPN.com. Let's come back. We can open up the phone lines again. Get your thoughts. Are you... Are you outraged? Are you apathetic? Are you just dejected? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. And coming up, more on why history doesn't do the Vikings any favors going forward. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. We're back on 1500 ESPN. Well, the big game is still coming up. 1500 ESPN and TCL want to make sure you are ready for it. Yeah, you're still going to watch. Every day this week, you can win a 65-inch TCL TV plus a $100 Crave gift certificate for your party. That's $100 from Crave and a 65-inch TCL TV. Just check out the 1500 ESPN stream player starting today. That's where you'll find the details. That's where you can sign up. It's brought to you by TCL, the official TV of football playoff parties. A wave after wave after wave of people. I forget how many cases of beer my brother had, and it was gone by like two o'clock. I mean, we <laughs> we went through so much food and alcohol; it was just insane. Judd uh, Collar is also in Philadelphia with Judd. I think Vikings fans probably didn't get into the heavy stuff until after the game last night. That's my guess. They they, they were having full beer cans hurled at them before the game. It yeah. was daylight out, and Philadelphia fans were hurling. Full beer cans at them. Yes. Uh, yeah, just sort of verifying the stereotype that we all thought going into the game. Yeah. Exactly. See, I was uh, I felt exactly. more in my element 
actually with this sort of well thing, you're an east you know? coast guy yeah, i mean this is a, this you was, live a rough life right yeah like this is uh, like oh, oh this is this is how you're supposed to tailgate that's right that's, Kyle, are you, this is you, how it's supposed to go you actually bashed a couple of uh because they don't serve beer in the press box you took a couple of cans of diet coke and just cracked them over your skull before the game started right oh yeah then then i jumped into a flaming table right. while uh, doing that but it, it is it was funny to me to see the difference especially on twitter and the reaction to the fans acting the way they did because in Minnesota, it is just not that way. But having come from Buffalo, I was looking at those parking lots and the tailgates and saying, yeah, it's, not, yeah, it's pretty tame. It's, it's all right. I mean, yeah. oh, they threw a couple of beer cans at some guys, and this is supposed to be a controversy. But, you know, I, I guess I could see the reaction because it is extremely different outside of U.S. Bank Stadium than it is a lot of NFL stadiums, especially on the East Coast. 651-646-8255. Back to the phone lines and our buddy, long-suffering Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> Judd, my to you for refocusing right after the game and tweeting about the Wild. I really appreciate that. <laughs> i got to do something, Paul. got to move on. It's time to move on. They're done. Vikings are done. Yes. I want to address something Matthew said. I know Case Keenum is not Tom Brady, but to blame him for the pick six and the strip fumble, that's the offensive line. That's not Case Keenum. Uh, and I know he's still at a 66 passer rating without the merit and all that. So I'm not saying he's the answer uh, at all, uh, but but I don't think blaming him for the pick six and the, and the, and the strip fumble is, is really accurate. Um, in light of that, what Kevin said made so much sense. I, A, I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater because I didn't think he was that great before either. Um, but they don't have a whole lot of options. I tweeted you guys about Kirk Cousins, but I just uh, wikipedia him. He's 30 years old, too. And uh, Alex Smith's 34. Breeze sounds like he wants to stay with the Saints. And frankly, I'm tired of the patchwork quarterback uh, options that this uh, franchise has used for what? Like you said, Phil. Since uh, Culpepper, how many years ago? Oh was my that? God! You, I mean, they've been patchworking since Rich Gannon and since yes. Jim McMahon in 1993. Well, and even when they had Rich Gannon, Tommy Kramer, and Wade Wilson, it was a carousel. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Judd. I mean, oh yeah, one, week, one week it was Gannon, yep. one week it was Wilson, the next week it was Kramer. Nobody made up their mind and haven't really since uh, Kramer got hurt in Tampa. <laughs> how many years ago was that? When his knee got ripped to shreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well I, I would say this about the uh, quarterback situation going forward that, yeah, the, I know what you mean about the patchwork, but you're in a situation where you have this entire roster that's built up beautifully for somebody to step in and be very, very good. So if you were talking about a quarterback like Alex Smith, when everything is aligned for Alex Smith, he's better by a pretty significant margin than Case Keenum. Even though he hasn't gone deep in the playoffs, he hasn't won, I would argue that Andy Reid really botched this last one, but the Chiefs' defense wasn't that good, but his offense was spectacular. He had playmakers, he had a running game, he had an offensive line, and he had a darn near MVP season. And and I think that's what you're looking at as the Vikings is you're not thinking at all about well, who can be our franchise quarterback, who can be our long-term option. You're thinking about which one of these players can be the best guy to win us the Super Bowl in 2018, and that's the only mindset that you should have. So my question would be, 
do you really think that that's going to be Case Keenum? And I do put blame on him to some extent for those plays because there are plenty of quarterbacks whose offensive lines get beat and they don't get strip sacked and they don't throw pick sixes all the time. And and on those plays, could he step up on in the pocket on the pick six instead of getting hit? Can he recognize what's coming on the strip sack? Yeah, you certainly can. You should know the protection and know you have a tight end on a defensive end there and know you're not going to have a lot of time. So, yeah, it was that the Eagles made great plays there, but it's also on the quarterback as well. Yeah, I think it's important to compare your quarterback, whether it's Case Keenum or if you're a Patriots fan and Tom Brady, to the to the other 31 quarterbacks in the league. And that's what the Vikings are going to have to do and then figure out what the money looks like. Look, we're up against the clock. Let's come back with more of your reaction, Vikings fans, and hell, Eagles fans, if you want to gloat. 651-646-8255. 877-615-1500. Also, got a great note from an emailer, Dave, here. If you thought the Vikings defense was a train wreck yesterday and in the second half against the Saints, it might be even worse than you think, believe it or not. It's oh, Mackie good. and Judd. Yeah. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.